Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Cudlow. I'm David Asman, in for Larry Cudlow. Well, President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump making competing stops at the southern border today where the illegal migrant crisis rages on. We're going to bring in Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and Stephen Miller to weigh in. And we're also going to bring you Donald Trump's remarks when they begin in Eagle Pass, Texas. He's there with Texas Governor Greg Abbott. So we will be taking you there shortly. But let us start with Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and Stephen Miller, founder of America First Legal and former White House senior policy advisor. Gang, I just want to let you know when Donald Trump starts to talk, we'll, we'll dip into that and then come back to you. So hang on if we go to, have to go to Trump quickly. But Congresswoman, this is, this is an incredible moment where Americans will juxtapose Donald Trump there with, with Greg Abbott, who has done an incredible amount of work securing the border by himself, not only without the cooperation from the federal government, but the federal government is suing him because he's trying to do the job that the federal government is not doing. He's been very successful slowing the, the, the migrant surge, which is moving west to Arizona and California. But that juxtaposition is borne out by the figures that clearly show with Donald Trump was president, you had smaller migration flow. When, when Biden took over, it boomed like crazy and the whole country's suffering. That's right, David. Well, all of America knows who's to blame for the wide open border that's brought over 10 million illegal aliens into our country, and that is the Biden administration. That's why I led the effort in the House to impeach Secretary Mayorkas, and we're waiting to find out when Senator Chuck Schumer is going to hold the Senate trial for those impeachment articles. But we're so thankful that President Trump is down at the border today showing that he cares about states like Texas and their right to defend themselves against an, an invasion, and that is exactly what's happening to Texas, but it's happening to every state across the country because of the Biden administration. And we also have to point out that Joe Biden did not say he would go to the border until after President Trump already announced his trip uh, there today, and then it was Joe Biden who followed President Trump. This is the number one issue across America. It's hurting Democrats because all of America is hurting from the illegal invasion that has brought an onslaught of people into our country and sadly and tragically murdered people like Lakin Riley, the University of Georgia student that was murdered last week. Stephen, you know, there have been so many insults to America's intelligence by this administration on a whole range of issues, economic issues, but particularly on the border. And it would be the ultimate insult if, if Joe Biden, who has created this migration crisis that we have virtually all over the country now, 
Uh, and, of course, the, the, there, there are offshoots of that, like the fentanyl poisonings, killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. But if he goes down the border and he's at a part of it where it is slowed to a trickle and, and claims credit for doing something that the Texans have done, what happens if that happens? Do you think Americans will know really what's going on there? Yes, I think they will. And let me first say what a pleasure it is to be on with Marjorie Taylor Greene, who led the effort to impeach Mayorkas. And I think this is really a crucial moment for the United States Senate to make this a moral choice for every U.S. senator. If they try to table this impeachment or to do anything to shelter Mayorkas, every senator that so votes is an accessory, an accomplice to every single crime that is being committed by the illegal immigrants that Joe Biden is letting into this country. And the only words that I want to hear out of Joe Biden's mouth today are, please forgive me. Please forgive me to every family who lost a loved one, including, especially including, the family of Lake and Riley, because of the illegals that I, Joe Biden, let into this country, knowing full well knowing full well that innocent Americans would be murdered and beaten and assaulted in the most horrible ways imaginable. That is the only thing Joe Biden should say. Please forgive me. Please, please forgive me for what I have done to you and your families. But he won't say it no. because he has zero empathy for the lives and the families that he has destroyed, the dreams that he has shattered, yeah. the futures that he has snuffed out through his monstrous policy of supporting, aiding, and embedding this border invasion. Well, Congresswoman, of course he's not going to say that, but he can't deny the figures. You have 8.5 million migrant encounters uh, since he took office, and that does not include the, the estimate of 1.7 million gutaways. So the number is over 10 million. It was, it was just a fraction of that during the Trump administration, primarily because of what Trump did and what Biden did right after he was inaugurated to turn that around. So, I mean, the numbers are, could not be clear, could they? That's right. The numbers don't lie. January was the 35th month in a row that the numbers kept exceeding even the highest month under President Trump's entire four-year administration. There are so many illegal aliens in our country, it's going to take us years deporting them all. But that's why America is supporting President Trump. They know the president that secured the border. They know it was President Trump. And his border policies are the strongest border policies we've ever had. This is why Republicans in the House passed H.R. 2. This is the strongest border bill. And we look forward to seeing President Trump Trump sign it into law when America elects him in November of 2024, and he comes into the White House in January of 2025. But Congress needs to fight harder here in Washington. We need to stop passing CRs, and we need to stop funding the Biden administration, whose border policies are anti-American, they're America last, and they put every other country in the world first. And then they force American taxpayers to pay for it. Um, I totally agree with Stephen. He's absolutely right. The Biden administration, Joe Biden himself, has blood on his hands. Secretary Mayorkas has blood on his hands. And then Chuck Schumer and the Senate will have blood on their hands if they refuse to take up the trial in the Senate and uh, for impeachment articles of Secretary Mayorkas. Congresswoman, I want to stay with you for a second more on, on Georgia, what happened in your state with Lake and Riley. I mean, that, the, the murder of Lake and Riley has really... Uh, put a face to it to a problem like no other face we've seen. There have been thousands and hundreds of thousands of faces who've suffered, but this one in particular, from a, 
a perpetrator, allegedly a, a, a Venezuelan who came here illegally, went to New York, was released because of their no-bail policy and because of their refusal to cooperate with ICE. Uh, the people are are terribly fed up with all of this. We saw that happen when the mayor of Athens, Georgia, uh, who believes in, in open immigration, he, he, he doesn't call his city a, a sanctuary city, but he might as well because it acts like that. Uh, and they have a, they have a sheriff who, who follows those policies as well. He caught hell when he tried to, to convince people that, that his city, he was bragging about the success that his city has had fighting crime. But that success, so-called, did not prevent Lake and Riley from getting brutally murdered. That's right. I graduated from the University of Georgia, and Athens, Georgia, used to be a wonderful town. But now it's run by radical Democrats like the mayor of Athens uh, that would rather protect illegal aliens and, and call them an Athens man instead of admit that this was a brutal killer that shouldn't be in our country in the first place. You know, I've called on our state legislatures while they're in session right now to consider not funding any city or county in the state of Georgia that wants to protect illegal aliens because they don't deserve the funding from the Georgia taxpayers. They don't deserve their hard-earned money if they're going to protect people that end up killing our Georgia citizens and our students when they're studying and pursuing their dreams, their American dreams when they're in college. Lake and Riley was such a wonderful person. I enjoyed um, talking with her father and, and learning more about her life. Uh, we tried to remember her in a moment of silence um, this week here on the House floor. But Georgia, every single person in Georgia, and I think people across the country, are reeling at this horrific murder of Lake and Riley. Um, and it should have never happened. Stephen, I just want to play a little bit from the mayor, or excuse me, from the, the chief of police, uh, John Williams. He's actually called the sheriff down there. Uh, he's sheriff of Athens, Georgia, and a couple of other towns in that area. Uh, when he was running for office, he said the following about whether he would cooperate with ICE. Roll tape. It is not my intention when elected the sheriff to cooperate with those detainers. That's not something we'll be doing. We won't be doing any type of roundups. We won't be uh, attributing to that culture of fear. Stephen, there was a reason why that Venezuelan illegal immigrant was in Athens, and that's the reason. A sheriff like that with a mayor like that. Yes, a sheriff like that and a mayor like that and a president like the one that we have, a president who campaigned in support of sanctuary cities, a president who has used every single tool at his disposal not to fight sanctuary cities but to fight the state of Texas for trying to defend its border. A president who has weaponized law enforcement not to go after criminal aliens, but to go after conservative Christians and political dissidents. At every turn, Joe Biden and the Democrat Party and Democrat officials have done everything in their power to ease the pathway for criminal aliens to get into America, to stay into America, and to be released and reoffended. For example, ICE's own data shows, compared to the Trump years, Joe Biden has released an additional 200,000 illegal aliens with criminal records from our prisons and jails that were in custody that he could have removed but declined to remove because of his right. policy of non-enforcement. So, again, these are all deaths that are attributable to Joe Biden. 
Well, meanwhile, and the Senate Democrats, yeah. and I'm looking at you, John Tester, if you side with Mayorkas in this impeachment, then you, you are an accessory to every one of these crimes. Well, you're both throwing down a gauntlet, but uh, Congresswoman, there is concern by some people that the conversations going on between the president right now and Speaker Johnson might lead to something that would not be pleasing to those of us who want a strong border. Of course, they had H.R. 2 from the House. Uh, it was never brought to table by Senator Schumer. Then the Senate came in with their own version. Uh, that was, didn't even go to the House because it wasn't going to pass. Now Johnson, uh, Speaker Johnson and President Biden are talking. Does that concern you that they may come up with something that would not be acceptable to you? Yes, it does concern me. And the conversation that concerns me the most is that uh, that our speaker would give in on our border security and trade it for $60 billion for Ukraine. This is a war that Americans don't care about. Poll after poll shows that Americans do not support funding a war in Ukraine. The only thing we support is peace for that country. And we support border security for America, our home, our homeland, and the country that we all love and American taxpayers pay for. That's the only border we should care about, and that's the only border that matters to Americans. I do not want to see our Speaker of the House, our Republican Speaker of the House, working with the president that has ripped our border wide open and has been the best business partner that the Mexican cartels have ever had in their lifetime, enriching them beyond their wildest dreams. The Speaker of the House needs to hold the line. That's what voters wanted a Republican majority for uh, yeah. this, this Congress, and they expect us to do our job, not cave to a president that is failing America and is leading the attack on Texas yeah. and the American people. One, one more question, Stephen, about voting. Uh, what is going to happen to the tent? We know that the reason why the border was open was to increase the roles, the voting roles of the Democratic Party. I mean, clearly there was there was no other reason that I can think of for it. Uh, what about the move to turn 10 million mostly undocumented migrants into voters? Well, let's be very clear. Joe Biden's first bill first bill he sent to Congress was a bill to make all illegal aliens into citizens. The only reason that bill didn't become law is because they were one, maybe two votes short of getting rid of the filibuster in the Senate. If they had, they would have eliminated the filibuster and they would have passed it on a party line vote. And all of these illegal aliens would now be U.S. citizens, which means they can vote in our elections and they can sponsor all the relatives to come here and become citizens too. At the first opportunity they get, that's exactly what they will do. In the meantime, they vociferously oppose any effort to verify citizenship in American elections, and that is, of course, all by design. Folks, could you hold on one second? Let's just listen to Donald Trump. He's... Oh, oh, okay. We Unfortunately, we don't have sound right now, so we're going to have to leave it at that. Come back, and we'll give you as much as, uh, of Donald Trump as we can possibly get. Uh, Congresswoman Stephen, thank you very much for being here. Really appreciate you coming in today. Oh, wait a minute. Where are we going to stay? Hold on. Okay, we are going to go to Donald Trump. Please hang on. Secure and it's going to be even more secure by the time you finish, which will be soon. And I just want to thank some friends of mine. Brandon Judd has been a friend from day one. He knew what we were all about and uh, knew what we were saying and doing. And I think we were ahead of our time. And uh, General Thomas Sulzer was uh, somebody that was always right there and understands this uh, Texas military department about as well as you could have. I think he understands war, because that's what you're in. You're in a war. And William Mike Gorby, you know who he is, and he's been fantastic. It's just an incredible group that you've put together, fortunately. 
uh, I might ask uh, Brandon to say a couple of words, because right at the beginning, we were uh, we were into it. We saw what was happening, and the governor was there, and then he really, he really stepped it up. It's been amazing. Uh, I came when I was lucky enough to receive his endorsement. I endorsed him also, and uh, very proudly endorsed him. And uh, a lot of things have happened in the last little while, but this is an incredible operation. Uh, Brandon, would you like to say a couple of words, please? Absolutely. President, thank you. Thank you. Uh, sir, I, I want you to know, your agents, my agents, they're mad as hell. Absolutely mad that President Biden went to Brownsville, Texas, rather than going to Arizona, rather than going to San Diego, California, rather than coming to Eagle Pass, Texas, which has been the epicenter. What President Trump has seen right here is he's seen how he... All right, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and Stephen Miller have been kind enough to stick around with us. Again, you see the juxtaposition. We're going we're gonna to hear from uh, President Biden in just a moment. But when Americans who think that this is the number one issue to vote on in November see this comparison between Donald Trump with the man who's been securing the Texas border, the governor, and Brandon Judd and others who are really trying to secure the border with President Biden, we don't know what he's going to say. What do you think they will think? First to you, Steve, and then to the congresswoman to wrap it up. Well, the contrast couldn't be clearer. You're going to hear President Trump, and already have today, talk about real enforcement, real deportation, border wall, remain in Mexico, safe third, sending the illegal aliens home, the largest deportation operation in American history. And Joe Biden is going to talk about his ridiculous, preposterous bill that Senator Chris Murphy wrote that cements catch and release, cements invasion levels of migration, and that actually creates a new pathway to citizenship for illegal aliens. You have one party that wants deportation, that's the Trump party, and you have one party that wants importation, that's the Biden party. Congresswoman, go ahead. Stephen laid it out perfectly, but I want to point out something that President Trump just said as he's addressing people at the border there today. This is a war, and this is what the American people know. We know that our country is at war, and it's our own federal government, led by Joe Biden and his administration, that is at war with the American people. And they're waging that war against states like Texas, enabling and causing an invasion into the United States of America. And President Trump is the man that we know and trust. He was our president for four years, and we want him back in the White House again because we know he will end that war against the American people. He will secure our border. He's already proven to America that he can and will do it, and he will do it once again. Oh, and again, you can't argue Amen. with the figures. The figures are very clear. That's all you need. Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it. And Stephen Miller, great to see you as always. Thank you. Come thank you. Uh, let's let's just dip into uh, Donald Trump for a second here before we take a break. Migrant crime. We call it Biden migrant crime, but that's a little bit long, so we'll just leave it. But every time you hear the term migrant crime, you know where that comes from, allowing thousands and thousands and actually millions and millions of people to come. Could be 15 million, could be 18 million by the time he uh, gets out of office, because hopefully the biggest risk we have is nine months. That's a long time. Right. A lot of bad things can happen. As I always say in speeches and rallies, it's if you take the 10 worst presidents in the history of our country and you added them all up, all of the problems, all of the lousy jobs they've done, you can add them all up. It's not as bad as this one man has done for our country. What he's done to our country is he's destroying our country. Uh, we were just talking before. We were, the general was saying, I can't believe, he can't believe 
what's happening. They can't believe it. It's so sad. Last year, almost half of all ICE arrests were criminal aliens charged for more than 33,000 assaults, 3,000 robberies, 6,900 burglaries, 7,500 weapons crimes. This is all migrant crime. 4,300 sex crimes, 1,600 kidnappings, and 1,700 homicides and murders. These are the people that are coming into our country. And they're coming from jails, and they're coming from prisons, and they're coming from mental institutions, and they're coming from insane asylums, and they're terrorists. They're being let into our, our country. And uh, it's horrible. It's horrible. And, you know, I know many of the leaders of these other countries that are doing it. And it's not just South America. It's all over the world. The Congo, a very big population coming in from jails from the Congo. You look at the jails now. You take a look at the jails throughout the region, but more importantly, throughout the world. They're emptying out because they're dumping them into the United States. And these guys try and make like, oh, isn't it wonderful? They don't have a clue. I think they're looking for votes. They're looking for something. Nobody's really been able to tell me how anybody could want it. You know, you're always in business. You always want to understand the other side. Uh, you want to figure it out so you can do something that's good or bad, depending on what you're looking for. But nobody can explain to me, because everybody I speak to says how horrible it is. Nobody can explain to me how allowing millions of people from places unknown, from countries unknown, who don't speak languages. We have languages coming into our country. We have nobody that even speaks those languages. They're, they're truly foreign languages. Nobody speaks them. And they're pouring into our country, and they're bringing with them tremendous problems, including medical problems. As you know, we had Title II, and we had different things to solve that problem. But Okay, we're going to continue to monitor uh, Donald Trump. He is in Eagle Pass, Texas. Uh, the president, Biden, is in Brownsville, Texas, a uh, couple of hundred miles to the east from where Donald Trump is. We're going to monitor all of this for you. Meanwhile, Fonnie Willis is potentially on the verge of losing control of the Georgia RICO case against Donald Trump. Does the judge have enough evidence to disqualify her? Plus, the Supreme Court taking up the former president's immunity case. We're going to talk about it with legal analyst Greg Jarrett coming right up. Fox Business reporters are covering the biggest stories. Why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners? Now, the former president's legal team has confirmed he will appeal. With critical Democracy 24 coverage. We've talked to a lot of caucus goers. The line to vote has been out the door. Breaking down business news headlines. The fishermen say that's just a bridge too far. This is the biggest retail tech show. This is outfitted with this remarkable AI software. Fox Business invested in you. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze 
to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. So the very interesting fight to remove Georgia DA Fonnie Willis as the acting prosecutor in the state RICO case against Donald Trump keeps getting stranger and stranger. Joining me now to talk about it is Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett. Well, now we are hearing that Fonnie Willis and her very highly paid or very well-paid uh, lover, assistant, and various other things were apparently getting it on before he was hired, uh, contrary to what they said under oath. Uh, is that enough to remove them from this case? Oh, I think absolutely it is. And, you know, David, like the picture of Dorian Gray, Willis is self-destructing before our very eyes. Her own misbehavior has ruined her credibility. And, you know, her case against Trump is disintegrating. Her testimony, together with her lover, Nathan Wade, and his ex-partner, Terrence Bradley, I mean, that was a Three Stooges slapstick (laughs) comedy. But Bradley's testimony this week may have been the nail in the coffin. He once texted that Willis and Wade were absolutely having an affair before Wade was hire, hired, which puts a lie to their sworn statements earlier. So based on the code of ethics, I think the judge really has no choice here. He should disqualify both Wade and Willis. And then the question is, well, where does the case go from there right, uh, if right. it's so tainted uh, other prosecutors may decide we're not going to we're going to dismiss the charges. And and the the real question, Larry's been saying this over and over again. He doesn't care who or when he, any one of these people was sleeping with each other. The main question is what what was what were they doing with the White House? For example, all these trips that yeah. that uh, Nathan Wade took down to the White House that he was paid for, by the way, through I guess through uh, the taxpayers of Georgia. Uh, I mean, what was that about? And if there was. If they were being instructed by somebody in the White House as to how to carry things off, because Nathan Wade doesn't really know that much about this, particularly a RICO case, which is very hard to prosecute. If they were being instructed, wouldn't that be election interference? Oh, arguably it could be. And, you know, we haven't received any answers uh, to why he billed two White House visits eight hours apiece. Who was he meeting with? What were they talking about? I mean, since he's billing for the RICO case, it has to be RICO-related, right? Yeah. So, you know, finally, Willis had always insisted, oh, no, there's no coordination with the Biden campaign or the White House. Well, look at the billing records. Right. It seems to implicate that. Right. Well, there are other things, by the way. Trouble. There she's, are other things to look yeah. at. And, and Breitbart, uh, we haven't gone into it on our own, so we don't know how sure it is. But apparently there was a former yeah. uh, Biden aide who paid the assistant a DA down there, about $130,000 to help out in some political matters. So there there were communications between the DA's office in Fulton County and the White House. I, quickly, I want to move to the Supremes taking up Trump's immunity case. Uh, does he have a shot for that with the Supremes? 
Oh, he absolutely does. I mean, his argument is that I was acting consistent with my duties to uphold the law. And if I had evidence of uh, election impropriety, uh, faulty ballot counting, you know, I ha- it's incumbent on my duty to look into it, to make challenges, to beg yeah. for recounts, to file legal challenges. All of that should be protected by immunity. But I think the decision to take the case, David, puts both federal trials brought by special counsel Jack Smith on hold. And I think it likely means those trials will not happen before the presidential election. Well, none of these will. Their, their entire strategy, and it has been coordinated, let's be honest about it, if, if not in, in, in written or spoken word, at least with a nod and a handshake, uh, their whole strategy to prevent Donald Trump from getting into the White House, to, to put him in jail before, to get a conviction before the election has failed. I mean, all these cases in one way or another are just just falling away. I, I don't think they'll get any kind of conviction very quickly. I don't think they'll get any conviction before the election. Do you? Well, the only case that may actually go to trial is the Alvin Bragg uh, New York case. Uh, but I, I think Jonathan Turley's take on that is correct. Uh, the professor from George Washington yeah. University he said that case is so weak, right. it may backfire and actually help already Donald has. Trump. Yeah, and it I, already has. I think he's right about that. Yeah. Yep. All right, Greg, I'm sorry we had to cut it short, but we had all that breaking news with Donald Trump himself. Thank you for being here. Good to see you, Greg. Coming up, the Fed's key inflation gauge comes in hotter than expected. We're going to ask Breitbart's John Carney and Kevin Hassett what the state of the economy really is. Plus, you won't believe just how dependent Joe Biden really is on his note cards. We're going to talk about that and much more with Gianno Caldwell and Doug Collins when Cudlow continues. So the Fed's preferred inflation rose again in January, but right in line with expectations. So does this mean that the Fed's strategy is working. Joining me now is John Carney, Breitbart News Finance and Economics Editor and co-author of the Breitbart Business Digest, and Kevin Hassett, former chair of the Council of Economic Advisors. Good to see you both. Kevin, the Wall Street Journal had a great piece about a guy named Chris Waller. He's a Fed governor, and he was nominated by President Trump. Uh, He was brought to President Trump by a guy named Larry Kudlow, who you may have heard of. And and this is this piece basically said that while everybody doubted he's he's a he's an inflation hawk, this guy, this is the revenge of the inflation hawks, because everybody was saying that, you know, you had to have a recession in order to to, you know, you had to have higher unemployment in order to get inflation down. He said, no, you can get inflation down uh, and we have we have enough jobs available so it won't increase unemployment. And he was right, wasn't he? I'm not so sure. Uh, oh! You know, the fact is that inflation is down. I'm sorry. I just I, like I disagree. No, I was part of that team that, that chose Waller. But the fact is uh, that inflation over the last few months has been accelerating. And we also know that if you look back over the last 20 years, that inflation sometimes gives you like a head fake in January. 
And so I'm just I'm right now a little bit puzzled about inflation, but I'm sure it's way above two percent. Okay. And and so the Fed should not be cutting rates right now. But I think that Waller had a big fight with Larry Summers about whether it was possible to get it down this far. And Summers said no without unemployment. And I think he was right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what what do you think, John, by the way? Yeah. So I think that Waller was absolutely right in his fight with Summers. A lot of people said there's no way to get inflation down without raising unemployment. What Waller did is he looked at all the job openings and said, we can bring that down. And if we bring that down, it will help bring down inflation. That's what happened. But I think Kevin has a good point here in that it's not clear that inflation can keep coming down. Mm -hmm. And Waller's actually been very cognizant of this. He has said, look, right now we have this almost Goldilocks scenario where you have inflation coming down and unemployment staying very low and the economy growing very fast. He said that can't keep going. At some point, either inflation has to break higher or growth has to slow down. We're not going to keep. By the way, you got to know this guy, because if Donald Trump is elected in 2026, when Jerome Powell has to go away and Donald Trump has said he will, this guy might be the next head of the Fed. Right. Absolutely. I think that he is uh, definitely would be one of the best heads of the Fed we've had in a very long time because he has a very good analytical mind. He looks at the data and he's able to say, you know what, this is what is happening in the economy. He doesn't just stick to a narrative. He actually says, you know, looks at what's happening and says, I'm going to adjust policy based on that. And, and one thing I think you'd agree with, Kevin, is the fact that he, he does disagree with those who say the only way to get inflation down is by having a recession. I mean, he does believe that you can have growth and lower mm-hmm. inflation, the supply side notion, right? Right. I think you absolutely can. But again, don't forget that last year, uh, the government debt uh, held by the public went up by more than GDP. Right. And and so when you've got fiscal policy just putting the pedal to the metal, then the Fed is really not going to be able to get to two percent. And so but I have all the respect of the world for Waller. And I think that he won that argument. But the Fed still has a lot of work to do in my mind. And and again, the reason people are so upset is that if you look at the cost of bread, the cost of gasoline, the cost of airfare, everything's up from 35 to 50 percent since Joe Biden's office. And that's why people are still concerned about this. So even if inflation were to slow, then we're in a really, you know, much worse place. And John, you have to admit, it is very tough to get inflation down if you have a $2 trillion deficit. And that's where we're going. It's $1.6 trillion now uh, in an annual right. basis. And it's probably going up to 2 because they're still spending without any pay for it. That's right. The Biden administration has been undermining the Fed's attempt to bring down inflation by running a very reckless fiscal policy. We are running the kind of fiscal deficits that you should see in a crisis when you have unemployment up at 8 right. to 10 to 12 percent. Not when you have unemployment at 3.7%. There's no reason to be doing this now, yet they're doing it. It makes the Fed's job much harder. I think this is one reason that inflation is likely to keep going up or at least get stuck where it is, Mm. not come down. So all these dreams people have of the Fed cutting this year, cutting four times, that's not going to happen. Three times is probably not going to happen. I think it'll be, if we get one cut, that will be impressive. Kevin, there's something that's happening outside of the purview of the Fed or the U.S. government. That's what's happening in China. They're, they're going into what appears to be a defa- deflationary uh, rather than inflationary spiral. Mm-hmm. Is, is that making it easier for the Fed to get inflation down? Is some of their deflation spilling over into the rest of the world? Right. Absolutely. You know, you, you nailed it, because if you look at it, there's Asia, which is almost in recession. If you look at it at the aggregate and Europe, 
you know, has a whole bunch of countries with negative growth last year. And so global demand has slowed quite a bit. And that's been one of the reasons why inflation is moderated, not just Fed policy. But to return to the earlier point, I just looked at the CBO 10-year outlook. And believe it or not, over the next 10 years, they say that debt held by the public is going to increase by about $5 trillion more than GDP. Wow. Okay. Wow. More than the increase of GDP. And so that's how reckless this current fiscal policy is. And there's just no way. Like, and you could ask Waller about this. Like, if that actually happens, is inflation going to be under yeah. control? And there's yeah. just no way. There's no economic right. model that says that you could have inflation. Well, under whomever that is the next respect. president, they got a big task ahead of them. Gentlemen, great to see you both. Thank you very much sure. for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks. John and Kevin. Switching gears now to former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. He is laying out what President Biden is really like in negotiations behind closed doors. Take a listen. He still has a teleprompter doors. when you meet behind closed doors. But the teleprompter are cards. I found when I met with him, it would just be a couple. He would read from the card. Just the two of you. He he's cards. cards. It's like four of us. Yeah. And if you deviate, like I didn't sit and negotiate him with him the debt ceiling. It's not capable. He just sticks to the cards. And if you go, if you deviate from the cards, he can't continue onward there. Now, the White House is pushing back. But once again, look at this. The images of the president glued to his cards on his lap and meetings with world leaders have become very familiar to all of us. Joining me now is Gianno Caldwell, Fox News political analyst, and Doug Collins, former Georgia congressman. Great to see you both, guys. Uh, Doug, first to you. This is This has really become a Potemkin presidency. You remember the Stalin used to have these fake phony villages that he would take reporters by to show how great the Soviet Union was. And there was there was nothing behind him. They were just a facade. That was it. That's what this presidency is. It's just a facade. I mean, somebody else is doing all the work for this guy. Well, and you can see the work because the work product sitting in his lap in the cards. I mean, this has been a, an obvious problem for a while. And it's also, especially when you have to go to a press conference, and not only do we have cards, but we got pictures of the individuals we're supposed to talk to. So it's a picture book uh, time. The, look, Jean-Pierre, Pierre Jean-Pierre Crenn, she actually said in the uh, press conference about his health report the other day, he doesn't need a cognitive test. He takes a test every day. Well, here's the easiest way to prove that right. Put him before reporters and let him be asked real questions. Let him have to deal with questions that he can't prepare for, not Saturday, uh, you know, late night talk show host in which they've scripted it, prepped it, and even gave him his aviators to pull out his props. That's how you can tell if he's actually able to process and do the job of president. But, Gianno, when he does talk extemporaneously, first of all, he doesn't do it well. We don't have to belabor that point. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. But but what he's saying just isn't true. I mean, whether he's talking about inflation, he, he was on yesterday talking about crime, saying... Hey, America, the world, you know, the crime stats are getting better. Every city in America is a joy to live in right now. He he doesn't deal with the smash and grabs with the carjackings going up. Or he didn't mention once about migrant crime where we have these horrific examples right in front of us. And, and we have many national examples of that, that migrant crime in which you just mentioned. And if I can really quickly, in the city of Chicago as an example, back in 2021, and we know that about 30,000 folks, over 30,000 folks have come, migrants from the border, mostly Venezuelans. In 2021, there was about six Venezuelans arrested before the migrants began to arrive. Since then, migrant Venezuelan crime has gone up 12,000 percent in the oh city God. of Chicago, 12,000 percent in terms of arrests. 
This is a crisis, and the American people have lost faith in Joe Biden's presidency. When you look at the numbers, you look at the polling, 70 percent of Americans, including Democrats, uh, believe that Joe Biden has mishandled the border. Yeah. We know that. When we're talking about his competency, um, and there was an NBC poll which they put together numbers for Trump and Joe Biden. Trump is over Biden by 16 percent. 16 points and 48 percent when it comes to competency and effectiveness. And I know those numbers have grown since then because that's a poll from last month. We are in trouble here, but there is the opportunity to change the page on the Biden presidency. And I hope every American is paying close attention to what many world leaders have laughed at and said, wow, America's in decline. Yeah, we but, need but, changing. But, we but need when we now. saw him yesterday, we realized he's not ready to turn the page. He's not going to do it. He, he didn't do it with regard to crime, with regard to the border issue. And, of course, in minority communities in particular, they're so fed up with the fact that illegal immigrants are, are getting services turned over to them that citizens of the United States, taxpaying citizens, don't have, particularly in minority communities. Gianno and then Doug. And, and, and that's exactly why you're seeing Joe Biden in places like uh, Los Angeles, where he's trying to meet with voters, and you're going to see him in New York, and you're going to see him in Chicago, I'm yeah. sure, because folks are so upset, and, and obviously African Americans have been a very big part of the Democratic stronghold in those liberal cities. If they're going to be serious and not vote for Democrats, yeah. then we got purple states all around. Doug, so this is could be a real big upset. Doug, you, uh, have ten, you only Trump have win. 10 seconds, but it comes down to a matter of trust. Do you trust your, your lion eyes or do you trust what Joe Biden's saying, doesn't it? Exactly. Longest uh, general election in history. You got Donald Trump, who has a record. He'll stick to immigration and economics to these folks. You got Joe Biden, who, who has to yeah. defend a total reckless disregard in the last three and a half years. There's, your, Collins, there's your race. Gianno Caldwell, Excellent great point. to see you, gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate Thank it. Coming you, up, the crypto craze continues. Jim Yorio is here on that. Coming next. Well, Bitcoin is surging in the month of February, but concerns still remain for some. And joining me now is Jim Urio, director at TJM Institutional Services. Great to see you, Jim. We don't have a lot of time, but first, the markets overall. Is it still got legs? It seems to still have energy pushing it forward. So the Bitcoin thing still definitely has energy. I think there's still a tremendous amount of loose liquidity in the system that's still left over from the uh, from the COVID funds that came in. And then, you know, I got into Bitcoin basically based on BlackRock getting into it, you know, a year and a half ago. You know, I want to be aligned with the deep pockets. As far as the stock market goes, it's rallying off the same thing. The one thing I will say about the stock market is I worry that when the problems with the banks start to surface, and remember, the, the Fed's going to close down its bank funding program in March. If problems with the banks and commercial real estates begin to surface, I believe the stock market will flex its muscles to try to push the Fed into easing and easing quickly. I don't think Bitcoin will suffer from that. So if I had to look at the two right now, I'd prefer to be in Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin is now, we, we just put it up, it's uh, 60, close to 62,000, isn't it? 62,000 now, 62,100? Yeah, right. Blink, we, no, it's about 61 now, but Blink, 61. it'll be 65. Oh, there that it is, 61,220. So would you yeah. buy into it at this level? 
Okay, so if I didn't have a position already, again, I'm not giving advice to anyone else. I have been building my position slowly and I plan on mm -hmm. continuing to do that. It's very difficult to buy something that's gone parabolic like this, particularly when it's, it's uh, subject to volatile swings. I want to be involved in Bitcoin for the next one year, two years, five years, 10 years. Uh, buying it right now might be a little bit hard for me to do. I'm going to do it, but only small amounts. I would not be entering a big position right now. All right, government's still spending like uh, drunken sailors. Doesn't that bother you? It bothers me a lot. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable to me what John Carney just said about the fact that the Fed's trying to fight inflation at the same time that the government just continues to spend like this. That's the part that bothers me. And when the Treasury goes out to auction bonds, when the reverse repo fund has been dried up yeah. in the next couple of months, that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's when I think things like gold, silver, Bitcoin, okay. and eventually stocks could do quite well. Jim Urio, it's great to see you again. Thank you very much. More Cudlow straight ahead. Stay with us. Well, that's it for this special edition of Cudlow. I'm David Asman. Thank you so much for watching. My buddy Liz McDonald is coming up next. Liz, it's all yours. Thank you, David. It's good to see you. Good Great to see show you. there. Joining Thank us you. now, let's get right at it. Let's From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.